Welcome to the Top 5, where each week I discuss my top 5 takeaways from this week's NASCAR race. This week, Richmond Raceway. Hello, my name is Connor. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Top 5, where each week I take about 15 to 20 minutes to discuss my top 5 takeaways from the NASCAR race. This week, we're talking about Richmond International Raceway. So let's get right into it. Number one. My number one takeaway is all the pre-race stuff. Uh, Richmond is boring. It's just a boring track. The idea of having a daytime race at Richmond as opposed to the evening race was so that... um, there would be more more lanes. It, apparently at night, it's a single groove track. During the day, I guess there's two grooves. <clears throat> but Richmond is just boring. I don't know if maybe it needs an overhaul. Obviously, the pavement's in rough shape, the way it chews up tires. I don't know what could be done, though. I, I don't necessarily think that making it a high bank, higher bank track would be the answer. I don't know if if making it flat like Martinsville would really do a lot, especially with it being a D-shaped shaped oval. Maybe just new new pavement would solve the the racing issue. Now, to say boring is a bit overstated. There were exciting moments. There was good racing back in the pack, but it did seem like when somebody got to the lead, they could hold it until their tires fell off. Richmond is a mini 1.5 mile. It's a short track, but it is designed as a D-shape oval in the same way that Atlanta or Las Vegas or Kansas is. Similar to how Atlanta has now become a mini super speedway, Richmond is a mini intermediate track. But this was the first short track for the new car. I was very interested to see how that would go. Uh, and we knew that tires were going to be an issue, and the crews only got seven sets of tires, or teams only had seven sets of tires, plus they had a scuff from qualifying, and that ended up playing a big role. And I I am curious how much tires played a a big role because it's Richmond versus how much tires played a big role because it's Richmond and the new car, the next-gen car, eats up tires. Uh, two other takeaways from pre-race. I was very underwhelmed at the low attendance. That place was maybe three-quarters of the way full. Which is, thankfully, a a uh, not the trend. Uh, most tracks have been either sold out or very close to it. I don't know if maybe it's just because of Richmond not being that great of a track or because the spring race, the weather isn't great, but I was a little bummed to see that. And then lastly, in the carousel that is the Fox uh, broadcast booth, this time it was Chad Knauss's turn to be in the booth. And I was kind of excited to see that. I, I always liked when Larry McReynolds was in the booth. Uh, Getting the crew chief perspective is kind of neat. To see how they think a race through is interesting. 
And I know Fox has Larry Mack still, and they go to him, but that's just a check-in from time to time. Much in the same way to hear how a driver talks about the race, it's cool to hear a crew chief talk about the race from their perspective. So, let's get into the second take, the race itself. Number two. So for this section, I really just want to cover the first two stages, which were largely uneventful. Um, Lap nine, Kurt Busch lost power, brought out the first caution. It seemed like NASCAR was really uh, trying not to throw that caution until he he came to a rest on the back, uh, back straightaway, and they absolutely had to. Um... Like I said in the open, the cars that, that took the lead seemed to, to keep the lead for a long period of time. Uh, Blaney won stage one convincingly. Truex won stage two convincingly. Long green flag runs, which is actually somewhat refreshing. We haven't seen long green flag runs. And what we saw today that I really liked was... Green flag pit stops. Haven't seen those barely at all. I don't think there was maybe one or two in in the 500. There was definitely not a single green flag pit stop at Atlanta, at least not to my memory. If I'm wrong, please correct me. And speaking of which, I should have mentioned this earlier, but if you want to interact with me or with other people that listen to this show or just talk about NASCAR, Check it out, uh, patreon.com forward slash the top five. Spelled out, the top five, not the number five, F-I-V-E. So please check it out. But, uh, you know, the tires, as previously mentioned, made a big difference. And it was crazy to, to see how fast the cars with newer tires were. There was a time, a part where, where Bell didn't pit when everyone else pit, which was quite quite comical because if one person pit, for example, Ross Chastain pit after about 50 laps on tires, and the whole field came. It was almost like a, a chess match with crew chiefs to see who could get their guy in first, and then everyone else would freak out and follow. But there was huge advantage. Ross Chastain pitted, The field cycled through, and he had gained four spots, which Ross Chastain is having one hell of a season. Last four races, he's been in the top five pretty much the entire race, plus he won at Coda. Anyway, back to what I was saying about Christopher Bell. Everyone pit mid-stage two, and Bell didn't. And it was, he was a sitting duck. He was just out there running laps, waiting to get run down, which happened. Also, I found it odd how they did the staging. I think that's been a theme this year, how staging has been different at different tracks. Typically, uh, stage three is the longest, and stage one and two are the same. So, like, in a 200-lap race, they'll do... 60, 60, and 80. But uh, with this one, stage one was only 70 laps. Stage two was 160 laps. 
and stage three was 170 laps. That was very odd to me, but didn't really make a big difference. The stage break is coming, whether you like it or not. Also, I think during these long green flag runs is where Chad Knauss really shine through. <clears throat> and he's just a knowledge machine. He, he just, I, I should go back and find some examples, and I have one coming up. But he really impressed me. If Chad Knaus joined that booth permanently, I would be very, very happy. He's not going to, but it would be very cool. And lastly, to end this stage, uh, this number, sorry, I wanted to shout out Sundays are for NASCAR. They're a Facebook group. They have awesome content. Uh, and I would recommend if you're not already a member, go check them out. So this is kind of rare, but my, my next point is all about one person. Number three. My third point is about Harrison Burton. And I'll be honest, this is personal to me. I was a Matt the Benedetto fan. I thought he's a cool guy. I thought he was a good driver. I think he should have had at least one win. And I think he shot himself in the foot. But I, I think that he deserves to be in the 21 car still. And I understand why he's not. But it went to Harrison Burton, which is nepotism at its greatest. And I thought to myself when that happened, let's keep an eye on this kid and see how he does. Because he did well in Truck Series and Xfinity Series. And it has been an absolute, total disaster. He has not finished in the top 20 yet this year. He's 29th in standings. He can't get out of anybody's way. I think that's my biggest problem with him, is when he's a lap car, which is pretty much every time, he doesn't know what to do. You, you can watch other drivers. I was watching Joey Logano, who was in 20th, I believe, getting lapped with 10 laps to go or 8 laps to go, went all the way up against the wall. Nobody runs up against the wall in Richmond. He went all the way up against the wall let those guys go because it wasn't his day. He wasn't going to hold them up. I know Kyle Busch does the same. It's rare that he's a lap car, but when he is, he does. All those guys, they know what to do. Harrison Burton cannot figure out how to get out of the way. Kind of bugged me when Mike Joy said he was having a good race. He was 17th. He finished 20th. The guy's terrible. It's a failed experiment. And he will not be in cup car long term. And if this comes back to bite me, I guess I'll have to eat my hat and admit I was wrong. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So let's get back to racing. Number four. So going into stage three, Chad Knaus took a little playbook out of Larry Mack and did the trends and predicted that there would be a caution quickly into the stage and boy was he right cody ware spun i think it was three or four laps into uh stage three and hit the wall and that's uh that's just another example of knaus knows what's going on he's so in tune to what's happening uh, other notables, lap 259, uh, Cendric got spun, 
by the 47, I believe. Uh, and then it was pretty mundane. Long green flag run after that. A bunch more green flag pit stops. It seemed no driver or no crew chief wanted to go more than 50 laps on a tire. Tires seemed good for about 20 laps, and then the fall-off was so rapid and so quick. Um, lap 49, Kyle Busch had to do a pass-through penalty because there was tape on his car. Now, I heard after the race that that tape had been there for like 200 laps, and NASCAR just found it. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's hearsay. But I know that Kyle was quite bent about it. But apparently tape is not allowed on the new car. I didn't know that until Kyle Busch had to do that glorious pass-through with 49 to go, pretty much ruining his day because he's the worst. Uh, but I guess... If crew chiefs know that, why the heck are they putting tape on the grill? I understand that tape on the grill was commonplace to close up some of the airflow to increase the temperature in the engine. I get that. That was commonplace. But uh, if you know it's not allowed and you put it there, it's going to be seen. You're either going to have a pass-through penalty or you're going to get caught after on video. I mean, these races are on TV, guys. We all watch them. So I don't get that. That seems pretty ridiculous. And if I was Kyle Busch, I would be livid at my crew chief. So with 35 to go, there that was about the, the 50 lap of tires. Everyone pitted, except for William Byron. He stayed out. And he had himself a 4.5 second lead after uh, after the cycle through of pit stops. And I thought at that point, William Byron just won himself a race. Crazy to think that somebody's going to make up 4.5 seconds, even with this tire fall off. Well, Truex came at him, but then his tires fell off. And then... They started talking about Hamlin, and I looked, and he was seven seconds back. This is 25 laps to go. No one could quite get up to uh, William Byron. Hamlin, with the newest tires on the track, seven seconds back, 25 laps. No way. Not a chance. And then amazingly enough, with five to go, Hamlin passed Byron, and so did Harvick and... Truex and everyone else. Byron fell off. And for the last five laps, Harvick came close, but Hamlin pulled it off at his home track. While as boring as the midsection of this race was, that last 30 laps or so were very exciting. And I'm still dumbfounded that a driver could, uh, and I guess I shouldn't because Hamlin is, is a darn good driver, uh, but that he could come back from seven-second deficit with 25 to go. Also, first win for Coach Gibbs, first win for Toyota, which seemed to be celebrated. I could deal without. So congrats to Hamlin. Awesome race. Awesome ending. And before we get into my last point, let's check in with Mackenzie. 
Here's what's trending in NASCAR with Mackenzie. Welcome to Trending with Mackenzie, but it's also just fun facts and cool things. Before I tell you the answers to the questions from the last podcast, I want to tell you this story. Atlanta Motor Speedway redid their track, and the race there went so well, NASCAR decided they're going to have their all-star race next year at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now, here are the questions to the last podcast. Number one, how much do NASCAR cars cost? Between 200000 and 400000 Number two, how much is a NASCAR engine worth? $100,000. Number three, how many MPG does a NASCAR car get? Two to five miles per gallon. And here are the new questions for this week. Number one, how big is a, how big is a NASCAR fuel cell? Number two, how much fuel does a NASCAR car use per race? Three, how much does a NASCAR gas can weigh? Try to answer without looking them up. Bye. Great job, Mackenzie. Always look forward to your trending with Mackenzie. Now let's get into the last number of this week's episode. Number five. My last point is looking ahead. Next week we have Martinsville Night Race. I always like Saturday night short track racing. I've always been a big fan of Martinsville. And... Martinsville adding lights was a very cool uh, addition. So I'm very much looking forward to this. On a personal note, this will be my first weekend camping this year. So I'll get to watch the race in the camper, hanging out by a bonfire, having a few adult sodas. So I'm really looking forward to that from a personal standpoint. Uh, The new car at Martinsville with the durability is going to be very interesting. Should be a lot of bumping, a lot of pushing. I'm guessing some tempers will uh, flare up. That will always be fun to see. Uh, And I'm curious what the tire situation is going to be like. Typically, tires are not a major issue at Martinsville. But with this new car, tires always seem to be an issue. How the racing service will... uh, will be affected with it being a night race. It will probably be cooler uh, temperature-wise. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I'm going to predict, my prediction for this week is Ryan Blaney. And here's why. He's been up front too much not to get a win. I'm going to call this the Ross Chastain theory. Week after week, Ross Chastain was up in the front of the field and it would almost almost seem like he was up front too much not to finally get a win that's what ryan blaney is right now he's won three poles a whole bunch of stages and i cannot see how that eventually doesn't translate to him getting a win so almost by default i'm going to pick blaney however ones to watch would also be kyle larson because he's Kyle Larson. So let's see how those guys do this week. I will be back to report on it after. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. Please check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the top five T H E T O P F I V E. 
or send me an email. I would love to chat with you. Connorbruin at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-O-R-B-R-U-E-N at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to sharing again with you my thoughts next week. This has been my top five, and I'm Connor.